When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Benchtown TV. I am Paul with Luke and Jimmy, and we are back to cover the second half of the Shadow and Bone second season, episodes five, six, seven, and eight. We are missing Kathleen today. Wish she was here because she would have said, I told you so once or twice because she called, definitely called some things. Insane second half of the season, you know, end of episode four, we talked about what we thought the second half was going to end up like objective wise. And man, we were not exactly uh, good on our predictions, but it was an insane ride. What did uh, what did you guys think? Near you, Luke, he's going to go first. Uh, I have a little bit of a rant, but yeah. So if you want to leave the rant for. That's fine. I'll I'll start here because I think mine's not going to be too crazy. I'm I'm sure we're all kind of in the same vein here, but this was a joy to binge. I had a really good time. Uh, Finishing the second season made me reevaluate a lot of thoughts about the future of this show. And yeah. I'm not this is not going to be a completely rosy view of the whole show as a whole. Like I have some nitpicks and I'm sure we probably are going to bring up the same sort of things here. But in terms of character work, I said it last podcast, I probably said it a hundred times through the first season's coverage. These are some of my favorite characters of any of the Netflix originals where the character work is just fantastic. Like I love the chemistry on screen of some of these actors. It, it is very um, reminiscent of like the magicians. It feels like these guys are friends and like I can feel that enjoyment through the screen. And that's pretty much what carries me through the show and why I like it a lot totally because of the characters mostly held down by the crows and also our new uh nikolai in season two has been an all-star so i'll sure i'll talk more about him as we go through it but one thing i wanted to say that i'm really surprised about is how quick this show has been going while the pacing has probably been considered pretty good for most like average tv watchers and i'm sure it actually probably helps with analytics and getting people to finish the show because so much so many different things happen every single episode it does feel like we're non-stop sprinting throughout this whole thing and that's where i have a little bit of a hesitation um and it might even be a hot take where i'm saying that it things are happening too quick because this story is at its roots it's based on a fantasy series like a fantasy book series and when i listen read or watch anything to do with fantasy i have a different lens than most other types of shows and i kind of feel like that this show where this show shines with the characters it suffers in the world building and background details of like what really usually makes sci-fi fantasy like these type of things work and connect deeply with me with that being said like it's not that a lot of the the power systems and the and the small science versus magic like it's not that it's bad it just isn't explored to the level that i thought we were going to get to and so it kind of leaves me with a bunch of plot hole questions and then like is it a plot hole versus they just didn't explain it a bunch of those things that's where a lot of my nitpicks are going to come into play but again when it comes to the characters they were they were fantastic but some of the bigger picture stuff happened a little bit too quick especially with 
Kirigan no longer going to be a part of the show. I don't even, I'm pretty sure we're at the end of Alina's storyline in the books. So now we're kind of off book things and now it's going to get, it's going to get pretty uh, down to how the writers decide to proceed forward. I don't know. It feels like we're basically at square one because the fold and Kirigan are gone. Okay. We have this new drug that's probably going to be the face of season two and connect the crows back to Alina and all that stuff. And that's interesting, but it does feel like we, it feels like we're starting like a part two of this world. And I don't even feel like we got enough of part one because we sprinted through it all. But with that being said, I, that was my little rant, Jimmy, I'll pass it to you and just let me know what of that, like if, if any of that vibes with Luke, you. Yeah. All I have to say is that I'll cut my rant in half because now you said most of what I was going to say. I agree with pretty much everything you said. We were getting into this in the first part, episodes one through four where I was questioning a lot of the world building, a lot of how things work, and it was making me confused. And some of it, Kathleen especially, let me know that if I would have done a nice rewatch of season one, it would have been okay. Other things were definitely founded where it, it was um, there were some issues. Mm -hmm. But basically, my thoughts, besides what you said, Luke, to start off, where it's a super entertaining fantasy show, I enjoyed it. 100% episodes five through eight. I had a great time binging. I think that this is a perfect show to binge. Mm -hmm. I don't need this show to be week to week. You know, we talk a lot about how we do see the value in week to week. And we talked about it for a lot of the shows that have been happening recently. The last of us house, of the dragon succession, those shows, they just nail it when it's week to week. I think shadow and bone. I don't want to say like surface level entertainment, but it's, one of those kind of shows where I'm just like, this is this is a nice, entertaining bench. I don't need to think about it week to week too much because I'm going to start getting frustrated. Now, my my little joke here before my rant was going to be, you know, the famous Al Pacino line. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me right back in. I want to preface this line that I just said and pull me back in with saying that first thing is my preconceived notions of the show were two things. Number one, I knew it was three books. Number two, I assumed, and this could be wrong, I, it was just my own preconceived notion that just like you said, Luke, Alina's story ends when the Darkling story ends. I was ready to bet all the money in the world that at least if Alina's story was continuing, then one of the two, meaning the Darkling or the Fold, would still be a thing after mm -hmm. season two. And the pull me back in thing is, the crows, they got me. I'm good. I'm always down with the crows. Alina's story, until like 20 minutes left in the finale, I was like, she needs to be done. Her story's over. Make it a crow show after season two. The pull me back in part. Nikolai's part, I like it. Okay, he's the man. He's going to have some kind of shadow touch thing that we're going to have to get into. And now he's part of Alina's story because they're obviously two parts of one nation, king and queen, whatever they're going to do. Then the shadow cut pulled me back in again. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to assume it's the her using the Merzos to bring Mal back. I don't know any of this if it's canon. It, it just seems like it's off book to me. Like you said, Luke, it just seems like they are starting to blend stuff and starting to go their own way for better or for worse. I guess I don't know because I'm not a book reader and I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the seasons, but I was interested by the shadow cut because she does the light cut to kill the darkling, the shadow cut with like the little face at the end to finish the season. It pulled me back in. 
there's no way that you could say if those two things didn't happen, they would have had to keep Alina in because she's the main character. But it was just going to turn to straight up like a political show. And we but we know how much you love that, Luke. And that could be interesting. But I just can't see how that could be a full season unless it's literally an entire season of the Crows and we get some flashes of Alina and Nikolai and how they're rebuilding Ravka and stuff like that. So adding mm-hmm. the stuff at the end, whether it's in the books or not, I have no idea. Nikolai having the shadow touch, Alina with the dark cut. That brought me back in where I'm I'm interested in her story still. But the fact that her and Mal split up and Inej going with Mal, that just seems like from this moment on, they're making shit up mm-hmm. for the show. And again, for better or for worse, we'll find out. Like I said, I enjoyed it. It was it was very entertaining. We're going to get into some specific things. This is a good moment for us to bring up. If you're a listener and you haven't heard, I'm 99% sure they greenlit a spinoff of this series. And it's going to be specifically about the crows. I don't think we talked about that last oh. podcast. Okay. Yeah. So that's in the I, works. I, okay, cool. And I'm not sure how that's going to really work with Inej being part of Mal's storyline here. Like, is it basically just going to be a refocus where the crows are going to be the center and Alina and Mal will be like side character. I don't really know how it's going to work, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to lean heavily into the crows because they know how much the fandom actually gravitates towards this side of the story. Uh, so that just keep that in the back of your mind. Cause that's going to be that. I don't know how that's going to fit in with uh shadow and bone season three. I don't know if it's going to happen in between. I don't know if it's going to be a flashback flash forward either way. We are going to get the m- more of the crows regardless. Yeah, cool. they I like it. They know what the people want. The people, mm-hmm. the people love the crows. Like Luke said, you know, we really did enjoy the show. We've been talking about a little bit of, you know, what kind of what we disliked or, or was holding us back from being a great show. But overall, we we do really enjoy it. And man, you you nailed it. The characters are so fun. Um, it's so fun to watch them interact with different pairings and, and going off. Like each could have their own episode and be great together. And I think what it boils down to, for me at least, is Brandon Sanderson actually has what he calls the Sanderson's Laws of Magic. And the first Mm. law is that the ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader slash watcher understands said magic. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, we've constantly had questions up in the air. You know, what what is the extent of their ability? What are their limitations? Um, then they start talking about amplifiers and we're like, well, you know, how much is an amplifier actually do? Uh, and I'm sure this is way better explained in the books. And like Luke said, we were just kind of sprinting through. I think the lack of ability to fully comprehend the magic and and what it can and can't do is kind of what was holding it back from being great. Because there was a million times where, like, somebody standing in front of Nina, and I'm like, dude, just five seconds, heart rend. That'll be it. And mm-hmm. Luke said it a million times. Heart renders are, they got to be just so hard to portray in the show because I just, how are they? Some are OP, some aren't. But we don't know what the training is to, like, make them stronger. And I guess that's that was the hard part. To, to play off exactly with what you just said there, I think how I rationalize this show in my head and why I am okay with all of this is because it just, it, it really is the show about fun, cool plot things happening and awesome characters with fantasy being more of a backdrop where it's less mm-hmm. of a focus because this, it's, it's surface level when it comes to writing yeah. about the magic and all that stuff. And, you know, we, we love the deep dive, 
But if you refocus the lens into accepting and going into the show that it is going to be a little bit less meticulous with the details of the magic, it gets a lot better. But I will say they did it in the second half of this season. So literally the episodes we're about to talk about, they did give us a little bit more of magic, small science versus magic, that stuff. And like the powers and like the amplifiers, we finally got this, even though we probably should have gotten this even as far back as season one, right? Like to give a better base understanding. But yeah, that, you know, because the, the powers are so overpowered and underpowered at the same time that it doesn't make any sense. Like everybody's just should be OP. You can rip people's water out of their body if you want. But at the same time, if you're a heart render, you just get destroyed because people grab your wrist. Like I don't a lot of that is where it's like tough to kind of be consistent. And that's right. been a consistent complaint from us from the beginning. So that's nothing new. And I hold that. Like I already knew that going into the season, we probably weren't going to get more specifics around heart renders and why they're not all OP and stuff. So we just put a pin in that because I kind of already grew to accept that. But yeah, it's it's really just more about the characters for me. And that's why this is going to still I'm going to walk away from the show, giving it like a, you know, seven and a half out of ten, eight out of ten if on like for some of the highlights, but probably closer to like seven and a half solid show. I'm really hoping it gets picked up for a season three because Jimmy, like you said, I'm I'm with you. Like the Alina stuff at the end did it for me, even though like her story in general doesn't really do it for me compared to the crows. But, you know, we did enough where I'm, I'm definitely hoping it gets signed for uh season three, but if they do that, they're a hundred percent making Kierigan be like in her head, in Alina's head, because they need to bring back, Ben Barnes. They have to. They definitely yeah. have to bring Ben Barnes back. And I I mm, I don't know when we're going to start talking about certain stuff. So I guess I'll <laughs> wait on the Ben Barnes stuff. But I do want to okay. say we don't need to beat a dead horse here. But when it comes to the powers. <laughs> Alina, uh, Jenny and Zoya want to get rid of the costumes or the outfits that show like what each person's power is. And I'm like, that's not great for the audience, <laughs> even though, <laughs> even though like I really, I'm not going to lie. So blue means squalor, right? Is that what they're called? Or I believe so. They? Yes. So that's the wind person, right? Yeah. And then tie so, collar. I don't know what tie collars are. Different shade of blue. That's is that water or yeah. Yeah. They're the water. Yeah. Guys. So, so, my girl Sub Zero was doing it for me, and I'm that guessing awesome. that she she was only like OP because of Mama Mama Barnes, Mama Darkling's amplifier. I don't know if if they can do that with like pulling the water out of the clouds in the air to turn into ice normally. But I mean, the guy next to her, he's running through people like he's a heart render, but then he's wearing blue, and then he's shooting lightning. Do you so, remember what I'm talking about? This part, like I was like, yeah, I, I he's a he's beast. Shooting- but so I was like, I think is, what, what, who is this dude? Like, they were like holding their throats. So I think he was like choking them by like pulling the air out of their body. But for yeah. like the, the first like 30 seconds, I'm thinking exactly what you're thinking. Like, how the hell is this guy just like rending hearts one second? And then he's like throwing up the yeah. windshield. But I think they're just showing off the different abilities. Um, Like in this one battle, I was like, this is fucking awesome because this is where they're showing off the unique uh traits of each grisha power and it's it's so cool they were even getting to like subcategories of like lightning and i assume that was like something to do with the wind and you know making a cloud or some shit and it it was cool and i'm sure there's way more explanation to it but we just we just didn't get it as viewers i will say too like the tag teaming of the powers was sweet like yeah fireball with the wind and all that kind of stuff brother sister squalor when they yeah, have one this, arm. this is where we're saying where, you know, when it comes to surface level entertainment, 
where it's just a great binge, you know, that kind of stuff week to week might piss me off, but just watching the show and I'm like, dude, that was a badass fight scene. Like that was some sweet powers. I, I really enjoyed that. As long as I don't have to think too much about how it works. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because I think the, the twin sister, I don't, I'm going to say it wrong was there and she's a heart render, but like, wasn't rending heart. She rendered one heart and pulled out the axes. And I'm like, why do that? But okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> We're enough with our initial thoughts. We're going to get into it. Luke's going to lead us through. Before that, this is a great time to say if you like what you hear, please follow us on all socials and wherever you get your podcast. You can visit us at Bingetown TV. That's where we have everything. You can navigate everywhere there and check out all the shows. We have 300 plus episodes of all different shows. So I'm sure you'll find something you like. But. Mm-hmm. Back to Shadow and Bone. Luke's going to bring us through. Okay, so we're going to just try and sprint through the things that are irrelevant because we did just cover a lot of high-level concepts of the season as a whole. So if it doesn't have a cool quote, a cool moment, or have like bearings on the future seasons, I'm pretty much just going to gloss over it. But anybody, you know, jump in, stop me if there's something you want to bring up here. Because, you know, we have four episodes to get through and a lot of the stuff in episode five and six, you know, pays off later. So we'll talk more about it in the later episodes, but episode five and forgive me for the pronunciations here. Yuye Sesh, which means despise your heart is the name of this episode. Um, This is straight up taking place. The second after episode four ends, we're in the aftermath of Kirigan's attacked at the spinning wheel. Like they're in this underground safe cavern and a couple things happen here, but Nikolai, shining like a beast he's now the leader he's acting like the leader and it's really Mm -hmm. good small character development to where he ends up at the end of the season but the bigger thing here is jenya and bagra make their escape from the darkling and end up coming here and we have like i said last episode i I was really looking forward to this because i thought bagra was going to do some info dumps and she really does and she was pretty much a star anytime she was on the screen for me at least in terms of cleaning up some of these plot holes and questions that we've been having since season one so yeah when jenya who is obviously deeply scarred shows up has all of her moments with david that's just like the first half of alina's episode so anything there that you guys want to talk about specific because i know bagger does drop some cool tidbits here yeah she's uh she's an info dump truck honestly mm-hmm. like uh, these episodes <laughs> it's, it's crazy um and it's great it's exactly what we needed she does shed light onto a lot of questions that we had um, but again, I don't know. I still got answered your questions, but I mean, she's a badass, right? Like she's just, Oh yeah. How old is she or how long has she been around? Cause Kierigan has been around for well, Kierigan centuries. So she's like, uh, yeah. Centuries on centuries. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's a, she's old man. And, and that's one of those things that I guess maybe she was hoping Kierigan's whole storyline with Aline and his whole thought process was, Alina, you're like all rainbows and and sunshine now, thinking you're going to save the world. And eventually you're obviously Sancta Alina and you're going to live for centuries like me and you're going to get harder and you're going to see that no matter what you do, it's just there's going to be a darkness, a cloud over you. No one's going to accept you. You're going to have to do what's right. And it's for the greater good and blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. But then at some point after centuries and centuries, obviously Bagra started going back the other way, saying, you know, this isn't right, son Alexander, you know, this is not the way you should be doing it because she obviously was the one who taught him some of this darkness, some of this heart. She hardened him in the beginning and then she kind of had that turn. So I think she was waiting for 
Alexander to hopefully get wiser in his centuries and centuries of age. But she just noticed that he just went way off the deep end and she joined the homies and she's a joy, man. She was so good on screen. Everything she gave us and we'll get to the biggest thing that she gave us was money. You know, we, we needed a lot of these answers. Like you said, Paul, sometimes there's just never going to be enough answers, but she did give us some awesome answers. She gave us some badass moments where you could still see that she's got some sweet powers. I mean, she's still strong as hell. She's the darkling, just like him. Her backstory was amazing. Uh, Jenya coming in, you know, obviously we know she's the tailor and she's all about like, she wants to look beautiful and she can't face David at first. And there's a whole, you know, there's a whole dynamic between the two of them where he's ashamed that he left her. And she's really, she's like accepting that he left her and she just doesn't want him to see her because she's ugly and she can't take that. And that was the only thing she had, she thinks. And then throughout the episodes, he teaches her that obviously that's not all she had. So some of these characters that, you know, we didn't think were going to be a huge deal made some some definite impact on us early on in this second half of the season. Mm -hmm. um, is this when Jenya comes back in? Doesn't she get recognized by Nikolai's mom? And she's like, oh, my well, God. First, this is Nikolai. Nikolai's like, yo, bro, you're <laughs> going to jail. Um, yeah. And then but that's the other reason why Nikolai's the man, because everything gets explained. Alina sees Jenya, Jenya sees Alina, Jenya and Alina both explain what was going on between the Darkling and the King and Jenya. And Nikolai right away was like, I'm so sorry that the mm. crown wronged you like your pardon. This is unbelievable. Good guy, Nikolai. I mean, the, he's a freaking pure heart. And that's why, you know, spoiler alert, like the end of his story at the end of the season is very interesting. But. I just kept waiting to see where there's going to be something that he does that I'm like not agreeing with, but he's just the freaking man. Yeah. Constantly. Perfection. Yeah. He's a yeah. beast. But um, yeah, I love Jenya's response, which was her reasoning, which was absolutely sound. She was like, yeah, like I poisoned my skin. So he would be fine as long as he didn't touch me, but he took advantage of me over and over. So he slowly got the poison in. So it's like, Hey, it's not my fault. He's the one doing it. Um, and they were like, well, shit. Yeah. He's a, he's a piece of shit. Uh, you're good to go. Jenna. I want to just point out like, just this is, this all highlights Nikolai pretty much everything in this episode, like how great he is. First, we find out the King is dead. I don't know if we officially knew that yet, but that is like absolutely confirmed. But yeah, he just absolutely big dicks his mom. <laughs> it's, that sounds awful, but that's what he does. <laughs> he, he destroys her politically. And he's like, your time has passed. Like you have this prejudice, like I'm the future. All of this stuff is great because he would be a great king if I don't know if the shadow is going to corrupt him or not. But yeah, even him, just as soon as he gets the information from Alina, he's good with Jenya too. Like he's just very good at taking good advice and he's just such a moral leader. I can't wait to see more of him. This was his first test as the new king, even though he's not crowned yet but to show that he's going to be different. And that was a huge storyline throughout his four episodes, whether it's his best friend or Alina or Mal saying, deserve the crown, show that you're going to be different. And this is the first test where, you know, you're thinking that he's just going to be like, she's a, you know, she did what she did. She's a traitor, throw her in the dungeons. But he listens, like you said, guys, he listens. He understands what's going on and he makes the right decision, the moral decision guy's gonna be a good king absolutely absolutely 
I want to just continue on with the episode six uh, material here for Alina's storyline because it kind of flows with Bagra. Um, but the how we end episode five, and I'm going to give partial credit to Paul here, is we find out that to get more information about the Firebird, we're going to Morozova's workshop. You wanted it to be the center of the fold, but we got second best, like his hidden little workshop. That's basically the same yeah. thing. That's mm-hmm. a good, another good info dump for our info dump leader here. Yeah, it was great. The The way to get in there, too, I'm like, that's just really cool. And that was just a unique introduction that the payoff after with, with Mal is, is, oh, my God, it's so cool. So, she, yeah, like they just go more in about the connection and Bagra's like super interested in Alina's connection to her son, because obviously that's like high level magic and not small science related. And then we start having her talk about the amplifiers, talking about Morozova's research more, which got super, super crazy. But then she confirms that Morozova was a fabricator who resurrected the stag and the sea whip. And of course, the the firebird too, being the S, the soul of like the sister, Bagger's sister. So all that's like kind of getting revealed here. And then if it wasn't confirmed, I think we were theorizing all throughout season one that Bagra and Alexander are both related to Morzova. Like they are right. ancestors and it's pretty close ancestors because of the century lifespans oh, that they have. Daughter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's exactly. The daughter, That's, and he's the grandson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that Bagra info drop when she was like, I lashed out as a kid and sliced my sister in half. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's fucking sick. And then, you know, <laughs> again, we get the resurrection and the, the realization <clears throat> Mal is a descendant of Morozova and is literally Kirigan's cousin. And that is just the, the coolest fucking little detail that I never saw coming. I did say to say that I thought Mal had powers of some sort, but I thought he was a Grisha. Luke, you were like, yeah, not exactly because something's off. And uh, yeah, we were kind of right. He's like a legendary firebird. Like that's fucking close enough. He's right? Moltres from Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, exactly. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This reveal saved the show for me because we talked so much shit on Mal's storyline in a way where we're like, okay, Mal can sense the stag and he, whoop, there we are. We got the stag and he can sense the, the, um, whatever the, the sea thing is. What, the, what was it? Whip. Whip. The sea whip. The sea whip. He, he noticed that right away, and, and that was like another thing where the pacing was just like, let's jump from one thing to the other, and we were like, how is this happening so fast, and mm-hmm. he has to have powers, or this just sucks, and blah, 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 and I thought they knocked it out of the park with the reveal. Exactly what I wanted. As of now, this reveal definitely saved the show for me. I'm Kathleen herself texted me, I think, because you guys had said you weren't there yet, and she was like, holy shit. And it was like, it was definitely a holy shit moment. There's a couple things, you know, she, she isolates them from Alina, gives the reveal that, yo, you're the fiber, yo, you're related. And then the reveal, you're going to have to die. Now, this is where got some shit to talk about later. Oh yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) Cowards, but. (laughs) Kathleen does get partial credit though, because she mentioned the, the, the idea that Mal could have been the amplifier. I don't remember, um like how she phrased it, but definitely get some credit for that. I did not even think, I didn't even possibly conceive this as a, as a possibility. Like this was, this smacked me out. Like the whole Morozova being related directly to Bagra and Alexander, that wasn't like crazy reveal. Like that was not predictable, but something we thought was a possibility. Whereas this, we never even mentioned it besides Kathleen having that comment. 
I didn't think it was even a realistic chance, but it kind of like you're saying the ending didn't do it for me, but like the idea of this whole path being around Mal being connected to Alina and it was always meant to be, I kind of liked it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We have to give some props to friend of the pod, Meryl on Twitter. She tweeted at us. And again, we had to make sure that we weren't looking at some tweets a little early. Me and Kathleen had watched Luke and Paul and Brian had not watched. So we were trying to, not let anybody see it, but she guessed too. She said, why was Mal lighting up in Alina's vision after they kill the sea whip or when they put the scales on her? And we didn't really call that out during the pod. And then Alina herself says, like, why do you think, Mal, like when she's trying to convince him or he's trying to convince her that it's correct, it's just they got it right. I mean, that was a good guess. And Kathleen Kathleen had it. Me, you, me, you and Paul had no guess mm-hmm. on that at all. I don't I don't believe well, like one little thing that I like that Bagger said when she was like in the campfire, she was eating the rabbit and she was like, oh, like lucky rabbit, like didn't have like it's just a bone like there's no magic. Right. in it, So just threw it away. So that was a nice confirmation of what we were assuming that it can't just be any bone to be an amplifier. It needs to be like something magical. Yeah, we uh, I think we did kind of jump a little bit when alina visited kirigan and burned the his hand and stuff like that so we saw um her try to pull a fast one try to seduce him for a second and i was like this you love mal you this is not true you love lois i was like this is fake for one second i was like is she like doing this um she's in dark lena (laughs) yeah 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 all the dark lena fans were freaking out um but then she did flip the switch but because she wasn't able to go through with it, she was like, I can't go again because he's going to be expecting it. I'll never get the jump on him. Flash forward, you know, Kirigan now ambushes Alina while she's in um, the chamber. And how fucking, well, first of all, the sex, it's always sexual tension. This is crazy. Even yeah, right. Anything like with behind, Ben Barnes is sexual, man. I know. I mean, he's, he's, got a, he's just a man. Hand over the mouth, like whispering in her ear. And I'm like, this is <laughs> like, why am I turned on slightly? Um, and well, sexiest scene, dude. Hatball, this was fucking sexy. Bagger comes in, touches Alina. And I was like, all right, let me get involved in the mix here. And then puts her son <laughs> in her place real quick. Um, it, it, she's just so cool. You kind of had the feeling, though, that she was going to go out with it due to the fact that she just said, I'm going to kill my son and then it'll be good. But it was still badass the way she jumps in. And he's like, Ow. She's like, I fucking tell you everything. And then shoots him into another like area. That was so cool. Yeah, that was that was one of the coolest parts, like of her whole character front to back when she just knows what to do, jumps into the fray and immediately has the impact of cutting his hand off that had the residue of the stag and just cuts their connection. That was all really well done. And it made the payoff of Bagra turning good and helping in this moment 100 percent worth it. So I thought that was freaking sweet but the one thing i noticed too that i really really enjoy about the darklings character is that when the shadow monsters react to defend him and end up killing bagger or give her her death slice whatever they end up doing he starts freaking out saying like i never yeah. want you to die blah, blah blah so i love that that like nuanced part of his personality where he truly never would have killed his mother no matter how dark he got and that's just like one of those random parts of his personality that make him more than just pure bad and i was happy that they included that little line there and you actually felt the emotion from him because he's a badass actor and he's just great at that stuff so it was cool to see that he was never actually going to kill bagger no matter what came of it kind of reminds me of uh gara 
for all you Naruto fans out there with the sand. It just totally yeah. protects him no matter what, even if he doesn't want to hurt whoever's attacking him. Um, yeah. Really cool. Really cool. Yeah, and just a quick rewind. We have, like you guys said, the scene where Alina is meeting with the Darkling in, in their mind space or whatever, and we were asking this in episode or podcast episode one, covering episodes one through four. Is the blowing out the candle or is the... It's, this, you know, making the extinguishing the candle going to mean something. Obviously, it turns into that they can physically touch each other. She has it. She thinks she's she's going to sever the tie. And then it's Mal that wakes her up because she's kind of freaking out in the real world with all of her powers are going crazy and they think she's kind of in trouble. And Mal makes his return at this point. I mean, it was kind of like a lackluster return. I mean, we thought he oh, was yeah. going to be missing for a while and it was going to be like a saving mouse storyline and really it was just hey man i'm back i'm a little disheveled but i'm here dude i'm here yeah i was kind of glad you brought that up yeah i I didn't like that at all yeah so then he you know he breaks the connection she doesn't get what she wants by you know uh severing the tie between the two of them she actually gets mad at mal and this is where kirigan is like you know what this bitch I'm done with her. Like, I'm actually now ready to, like, kill her. I don't think even mm-hmm. and, and and adding to what you were saying about um, him with Bagra, the the character uh, traits where he isn't full evil, no matter what he loves his mom. And we joke that he's a mama's boy and stuff. and He's got mommy problems. But no matter how evil he was, he wasn't going to kill his mom. And then in the finale, he tried to protect Elena, too when the shadow monsters were going to go after her, he says, don't touch her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has, and, and obviously we get the flashback where he says, like, I thought I had everything. I thought for one perfect moment. And it's when he's with Alina, you know, there are these traits that I'm glad they added. So he wasn't really one dimensional because I thought he was way more layered in season one. And maybe yeah. that's because there was a lot more of the, is he good? Is he bad? Is he playing Alina? Does he actually love her? And does she love him? And there was that triangle going on. And then by the time season two hits, he's just like, give me the scars on my face and I'm just going to kill everybody. He seemed a lot more one dimensional, but adding those things with his mom and Alina at the end, I think saved the character writing wise, no matter what Ben Barnes killed it as the darkling, but writing wise, he seemed a little one dimensional besides for those parts that kind of saved him. Yep. So Bagra ripping his hand off last second, that was sick. But the whole point of that was <laughs> to sever the connection to Alina, right? Because that was yep, where the, the that was the bridge. Antler, yeah. Okay, cool. Exactly. To jump forward, you know, after they run away, Mal tells Alina, well, you know, I am the firebird. Um, that was so sick the way he closes the door with a little bit of his yeah. blood. And Alina's like, wait a second. That doesn't make sense. And then they run away. Um, and he explains it to her. And then uh, they bang. Yes. That was bang, sweet. Bang, 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 bang. And you know what's funny about that is that I, before they did the whole cop out, and I'm I'm saying cop out because I already know me and Jimmy are at least are going to agree on Mal being raised yeah. like that. Before they yeah. did that bullshit, I thought that there was going to be a chance that the Darkling um, ancestry line lived on through their baby. Like, I thought she was going to get pregnant that'll, from this. That scene. would be cool. Wow. I actually didn't dropped think about it that. five That'd minutes later, though, because I didn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter anymore. But I thought that well, was going to be the technically thing. she could. We don't know. She could be prego. She's she's been busy. So I don't know how much time's passed. 
She could and it could so be why she has the ability right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fully on the train that it's the Merzos thing, where they're the, the yeah. unintended consequences of bringing him back, and Nina's response and look that she gave Alina when she mm-hmm. noticed like she didn't bring her back. It was Alina who did. But I mean, that would be cool if there was a it would be cool a baby Darkling. If it just uh, was Ben Barnes, or it could be dude, it could be straight face, up just. It could straight up be it could straight up be freaking uh, Melisandre from Game of Thrones with the shadow baby just coming out like <laughs> that'd be ridiculous. L- later on, a little bit after the scene, Mal's just chilling in the room and then the Darkling makes a connection with him. And we're just assuming this is because they're both blood related because they didn't have a. Well, yeah, because connected. that was another thing we didn't talk about while Bagger is dying. Ben Ben Barnes, the Darkling gets those flashes of her last moments, so he sees that there she's having the conversation, explaining that they're related. So I guess he never knew that he could have a con- a connection to Mal until then. Yeah, because he never even That's looked my for guess. it. No, I totally agree, and that was sick too. The fact that he gets that bit of information just by killing his mom and seeing like her yeah. last moments—that was really cool. That's a cool little. That that everybody does, you know, you can see their last moments. It was great uh, later on, quote unquote, when Alina does it to Mal. Spoiler. But I just wanted to make sense because, you know, we do get the line here. And when they call each other cousin, I mean, I'm like, that's just so fucking sick. And I love those quotes. They were so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And him saying, you know, when we fought in the fold, I should have watched the Volker eat you like I shouldn't have left early. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, you guys are badass. I wish they tussled more, but they didn't really get to it. So, so would Mal like? Uh, I wonder if he like he could have been Grisha, like a Darkling, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's related. Yeah. He never got tested. I mean, he has the power of the Firebird, and that's whatever. I mean, because he's related to the what is it? So he's related to the daughter who was reborn. She she actually it, was she was res. Yeah, it was like the resurrected like soul of the she, daughter. And she had kids. And he's the he's the yes. whatever. He's the yeah. generational. So that's why he has he's the firebird because that's the res. But you would think that maybe he would have the darkling powers, but I guess technically you know, we don't know how this works, but she wasn't Grisha the daughter remember that was the whole thing right wasn't she born like normal and then or i guess she could have been grisha but she just wasn't a darkling it was when bagger was born as a darkling or however you want to say it the shadow summoner everyone was like holy shit the mom freaked out the dad was like oh you know so i guess we have we have no idea how the recessive dominant genes of the grisha work like what gets passed on what's possible can you be dormant like we have no idea so that's just what we'd just be guessing yeah. So we also get them at the table when they're br- breaking down their plan of attack. Mal ends up telling everybody. And then they have this plan or I was like, no way this is going to work out perfectly. Right. Where the sister, I, I was going to say her name, Toya. Yeah. No, Toya's the the brother. Okay. <laughs> and then it's, it's, to, it's oh God, Tamara, Tamara. Yeah. See, this is what I didn't want to be. I've been writing the twin in my twins, notes, which is, so, yeah. 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 We all know who we're talking about. She's there and she has the idea. Hey, well, what if I can I can hold him, you know, under for two minutes, uh, totally underutilizes her heart rending power all the time. But that's beside the point. <laughs> um, so this is their new plan. They're going to go into the fold, uh, kill Mal and then bring him back to life while 
um, the brother is with the crows. So he's with the crows getting the sword this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't had contact with them. The brother's but, a badass. Yeah. And then the I whole plan, the brother. Yeah, he's he's a beast. Nikolai, in the meantime, is going to go literally face the Grisha army to try to, like, hold them back while they do that. Yeah. So we're this is all episode seven talk, which is fine. We're going to keep going with it because, yeah, this this like meeting of the generals is what I kind of called it because this is like all the heads of the army. It was pretty cool because, like, you know, me, I like the politics. Let's make it work. Let's yeah. get some real battle strategy in here. And that's what they do. And one of the funniest things is when they're coming up with this heart render idea is David's delivery of the lines when he's <laughs> like, I made a connection between you and Kiergan. You remember. Of course you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. dying at that. He's like, that was really he's good. like, we cool? We cool? We good? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, fist bump me. Another um, another thing here that Kathleen 100% called was Nadia and I, Tamar. I, I want to call her Tamar. Twin T- sister. Twin yeah. sister, yeah. <laughs> they actually like start flirting heavily and you can tell like Kathleen nailed those vibes right I away. Was, I can't yeah. believe it, man. She always does. It was like one fucking glance at each other and Kathleen was like, I felt it. I felt the vibe yep. from yeah. the screen. I'm like, hey. yep. yeah. Yeah. But there was something that happened throughout this episode as well that I want to talk about because I thought it was really, it was a really great scene was like everybody knows that Mal's the firebird at this point. Like after that meeting, before that meeting, all these conversations are about that. But Nikolai has like a really, really like cool conversation with Mal because he's just such a fucking bro. Like he gets it and he understands the whole dynamic of Alina and Mal, like all of that. And it's just when they bro out, it kind of it just gets me because they're just like they're like they hug like and that's just awesome because like so much respect has grown between the two in such a short amount of time, like at this point, seven episodes, six and a half episodes that I I can't say enough about Nikolai. Like every scene he's in, he makes it better. Even if he's not the main point of it, he's just such a good force on the screen. I loved it. Uh, Miles saying the whole time, like, Hey, if I don't make it out, you got to be the one to take care of her and all this stuff. And he's basically like accepting the fact that, uh, you know, if Alina had the choice, she would choose Mal. But just because she loves another somebody else doesn't mean that he can't still love her. And he's like, "Yeah, I, I kind of get it. I'll look out for her." The hug was great. I mm-hmm. mean, like you said, just the the whole dynamic where they're homies is just awesome because there there could have been an alternate reality, and again, no idea what they do in the books, but there could be an alternate reality where they're like there's contentious between each other, and we would have hated that on screen. There's mm-hmm. no time for that shit. Nikolai's my homie. If there's any time where you're going to make me decide whether I want to root for Nikolai or Mal, I'm going Nikolai. So at least make them both homies so I could just say I like them both because 1v1, it's not happening. But yeah, I, I mean, there's just so many tests throughout these four episodes for Nikolai. And he passes, passes them all, baby. One. He passes literally passes every all. single one. She gives him the reveal. And he's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, 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 you know, is there anything we could do or is there another any other way? And he's just doing his best to console her when really. And, you know, in his head, he's like, no more competition. Eh? I'm tapping no that later, baby. And then you have <laughs> yeah, and then you have the you have the actual reveal mm-hmm. that he's talking to his best friend, which sad to say, I didn't write his name down. And he, he had Dominic. Nice death, but yeah, Dominic. Dom, 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 yeah. yeah. So he. um has the reveal like dude you love her and he's like you know i do but again i know it's between the two of them i'm not going to do anything about it unless she actually has eyes for me i'm not going to get in between 
Then, like you guys said, he has the conversation with Mal where straight up he's like, Mal's saying, like you said, Paul, you got to protect her. Someone's got to be by her side. And he's like, the full force of the crown will be protecting her. And he's like, dude, come come on. Pulling a Ted Mosby here. You know, come on. And Nikolai, sorry to cut you off. I just want to say Nikolai makes me like Mal more because he likes Mal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the joke between them in the beginning of the season where it's like, what's your name again, dude? And now that they're like hugging and, you know, deep down, they both have to have. There's never going to be a good situation where like two guys love the same girl that that's Mm -hmm. really hardly ever going to end well. But soon as Mal gives the whole dude, I'm dying. You know, I'm not talking about the crown. I'm talking about take care of her and deserve her. And then they hug. It's like. Come on, man. Yep. You know, Did it for it me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, let's take a quick pause here because I want to talk about some of our pod friends from the Geekscape Network. If you're a fan of Benchtown TV, then you've probably heard our sweet outro at the end of our episodes with the Geekscape theme song. There are tons of amazing podcasts on our network, but I want to talk about one that will truly lift your spirits. And that podcast is Christmas 365. Yes, I know it's almost April and spring is on the way, but if you can't get enough of the Christmas spirit, then this podcast is for you. Dylan and Matt are big-time Christmas nerds and adore everything Christmas. On this podcast, the two of them and a revolving door of guests talk about their favorite Christmas specials, movies, songs, albums, and anything else that you could think of. One of my favorite episodes is actually one they recently just dropped. It's an episode about a punk rock Christmas album that was released featuring some of my all-time favorite bands from when I was younger, like Fall Out Boy, Newfound Glory, Blink-182, and more. So it's not just this normal Christmas podcast like you would guess. Seriously, guys, I know you're probably thinking this is the last thing you need right now with spring coming, but trust me, it's worth a listen. And if you're ever feeling down in the dumps, this podcast will lift you right up. Christmas 365, you can find it on any of your favorite podcast apps. Are we ready to jump to Ketterdam to catch us up here? Yeah, let's do it. Cool, because the meeting of the generals, it ends with the plan that everybody is going to be the distraction and go fight Kierigan's army one-on-one while uh, while we send uh, we send Alina mal and a heart render into the fold to stop the fold basically that was like their whole plan and before like things happen where everybody comes together the flying ship takes off with nikolai and like part of the army that's going to go meet with kirigan and fight kirigan so we'll put a pin in that because we have to catch everybody up to this point uh mm-hmm. not really that much because the second half of the season was really dominated by alina's storyline while the first half i would almost say was dominated by ketterdam uh so yeah. we do get a little bit less here but as we picked up off of Episode four, Kaz and them get the quest, I'll call it, to go get the sword from the other twin, um, Tolia. I think his name is Tolia. Um, <laughs> but a couple things happen here right in the beginning to get this plot line rolling. And one of them, I'm sure, was good for you, Jimmy, was we kicked this episode off with some flashbacks of Kaz answering exact questions that you were bringing up with about like the touching and the brother and if it was all yep. a metaphor and symbolism or if it was actually him thrown on those bodies. So we get all of that. And I'm pretty sure we have 100% of Kaz's backstory that we need at this point. Yep. Um, anything else you like there? We kind of just... We kind of figured it no, out. No, I'm glad they head. gave the answers. I'm glad they gave the answers. I thought that adding that with the hallucination and some of the other scenes that we get the rest of the story. We had the story and they probably would have been okay in past if they didn't give us the rest. We could have just like left it up for interpretation yeah. and it wouldn't have been like a huge deal. But I'm glad that they let us just fully understand what Kaz's deal is and how screwed up he is and 
I mean, I would I would try to fix my issues if it, if it meant being able to be with the Nez. I would be fixing those issues ASAP. I'd be going to a therapist for days, months, whatever I need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I thought it, the whole flashback scenario was going to end with Pekka, you know, him going to Hellgate. But in a in a weird way, I'm kind of glad it didn't because it really did show that you're like, hey, just because you put Pekka away that caused all this doesn't mean like you're healed and all that. So. It was cool to see him still struggle with it and, you know, hopefully get over it. But this is before they get to wh- where are they? Are they in? Don't they, they go to Shuhan, right? I was going to say they're in Shuhan uh, because that's where. Yeah, the, this is the where they're going to meet. They're trying to meet with the architect. Right. And then that's the, where the, the disciple. disciple? What, what did I just? Oh, no, the, ar- the architect. I just made that up. That's a badass <laughs> name, dude. The architect. Of <laughs> that is good. <laughs> that's good. That's I, good. I was I like thinking that. of uh the I'm, matrix. I was thinking of no no antiques, like she had like all the yeah. You know. <laughs> so um yeah, so the disciple and again, Sherlock that shit. That whole that whole scene was awesome. Mm-hmm. And this is all what episode is this? This is all the beginning of episode five, or like their storyline yeah. throughout episode five. Because this is like a two-parter of them being in Shuhan. And yeah, mm-hmm. there's the whole I their whole mystery between between the disciple and then Oval. I think her and name the is architect. Oval. And the architect. <laughs> <laughs> He's pulling all the strings. But this was like, you know, this was just like a cool, isolated little part of this whole storyline. And Kaz, you know, flexes his Sherlock abilities again when they're doing the whole meetings and the reconnaissance part of this. Um, one thing we forgot to mention, which is like stupid, is like the whole rift between Jesper and Wyland happens and Kaz and Inej happens. That's all happening when they're accepting this quest. Uh, so that's right. going to play out through these next couple episodes. So I just wanted to say that because I was getting kind of annoyed about the whole Wyland Jesper thing where we kind of knew where it was going. And it was also like yeah. not that deep. And I don't really know how much I cared about it, but it got to where it needed to be. Yeah, I'm down with them being a couple, but it definitely felt rushed and it definitely mm-hmm. felt like, I mean, just a quick banter so that they could make up. It definitely all. I feel like we need to talk about it. His uh, set up his hallucinogenic flashback in the room. Yeah, that's true. It, it helped like set the groundwork for, you know, why, you know, he really is hiding who he is with the Durast and why he does it. But I mean, yeah, like we said, Jesper's the man. I couldn't like I, I was wilding. I'd be like, sure, dude, whatever. Just. Don't dump me. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, Don't so break some it other me, thing. Man. Some other things. I just want to say Shuhan aesthetically looking just like Japan was like the coolest thing ever. Like that's mm-hmm. I live for that aesthetic. Even even the disciples house like, oh, my God, like the I garden, like that. all of that is exactly right up my alley. I'm looking at a bonsai yeah. tree like two feet yeah. from me right now. Like I love that shit. <laughs> so it was, I was really excited yeah. to see that. Yeah. And I'm happy was- that we fast traveled here, too, because we didn't waste time getting here. Yeah. Uh, the the brother saying, you know, this is a traditional house. It's going to be courtyard, you know, entryway, inner courtyard, and then, you know, the back. I'm like, that's just uh, so cool. Um, I will say I was a little upset with Kaz not being able to deduce the trap before mm-hmm. they actually stepped in it. I don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he, he made up for it right after. But, um, you know, just the it was just a step board that you know closed the doors and set everything off i was like oh my god you, you didn't see that it didn't it was a slightly different color or, you know slightly different bigger <laughs> gaps something that you would normally do but you know in in his defense we learn out that oval oval is a fucking saint so that <laughs> that makes sense why she's so op because mm-hmm. uh 
uh, before you, you know, we're about to get into it, but the whole fight, I'm like, she, what, how is she doing all this? And then the reveal is like, okay, that makes more sense. She takes out Nina and Inej while they're in the town. And... Zoya, Zoya, Nina, right? Yes. Zoya and Nina. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Inez is, is with them and gets mm-hmm. knocked out. Yeah. That was annoying that they were like, oh, just keep up with me. Uh, Zoya and Nina were like, oh, you're going too fast. Stay by my side. And then she like doesn't. And then just gets. Yeah. I mean, they like they don't like each other because Zoya thinks that Nina is a, a deserter, a traitor. And Nina just thinks she doesn't understand her. So they're just not getting along. And it's the dumbest thing ever to put the two of them together to follow who they think is the disciple to make sure that she's going to be away from them so they can do whatever they want to do. I mean, they had other options. Obviously, Inej was one of the options to be with Nina. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Inej is the number one, except she's like the goat. So you kind of want her with you, too. But um, this just goes with I I mean, I love the whole thing. We didn't really get too many like in-depth heists in this season and i and another preconceived notion that i have from the crows from the books is that like they're all about heists and the heists are usually in depth i believe in the books so Mm -hmm. i feel like we kind of missed out on that and the fact that like the one heist the one main heist they show like straight up went awful for them but well they had the pekka heist that worked out perfectly in the first four episodes yeah no that yeah that's true the the pekka heist was good i'm I'm, i guess i'm kind of vacuuming part one and part two but yeah. for us, since we're, but yeah, I mean, they get caught up. They're having the hallucinogen, the hallucination or whatever. They're all having bad ones. Our boy, brother twin, he is, he's using his heart render abilities to basically meditate and lower his heart rate so that it's not affecting him as much. So he's chilling while they're, the rest of them, are having some issues now jespers is the most i mean they all have telling hallucinations that matter yep. for the rest of the, se- the season you know we have kaz and Inez basically dreaming about each other you know kaz is mainly a nightmare about giving us some extra information on what happened to him and and it's the the typical and i don't want it's sad to say but typical like you know i have a whatever i have in my past that i hate like it's his brother and it's just his brother coming back to make him feel like shit and and Nash's whole thing is, you know, I love Kaz. And then we have Jesper, which is huge. That that is like he had actually like the nice trip. He had the good trip. Mm-hmm. And I love how he like goes to her later and he's like, Dan, that was that was sweet. Is it supposed to be that good? Like, <laughs> but <laughs> he's like, give me some of that for later, dude. But um, but yeah, so you know, Wylan is out there waiting, and I guess like he doesn't know what's going on. He's just assuming he's there to wait for them to come back or to wait to see if something bad's going to happen. So he doesn't really have any inclination that they're in trouble, but you know, give, give first off twin homie the props because he was able to last as long as possible to start yelling for a while. And he puts mm-hmm. the, the, well, I guess it's kind of like a bomb on the door to open through so that there's a hole and then, of course, our girl Inej is the one who can break through the hallucination, noticing that, like, Kaz wouldn't talk to me like that. This can't be freaking real. And then she hops out of it. She knows they're dying. She yells for Wyland. Wyland figures out how to get them out with the butterflies. And, you know, then we get into this badass fight scene, which 
Luke, jump in, and then I have some things I want to talk about with the fight scene. Yeah, to lead us to that fight scene, there's two things I wanted to bring up. Was, um, yeah, like the whole Wyland thing. I honestly, I honestly liked this because he ends up saving him with the butterflies that can absorb the poison. Disgusting. Like I would probably die before I ate that. But <laughs> like, I like that they they figured out good ways to use Wyland's non grisha like chemistry knowledge in multiple ways. I thought he was just going to be an extra that was in the crows now because he is in the books and he was going to be Jesper's plus one, but he's been holding his own. Like he's been using the bombs mm -hmm. the right way. And like this chemistry knowledge came into play when I did not think that this was going to be possible. So that was really cool that he had like an important part to play here. But yeah, Tolia, we keep forgetting, like saying we're not remembering the twins names. I loved these characters. So don't let me oh, not yeah, remember yeah. the sister's name yeah. mean anything because Tolia is awesome. And he is another yeah. very charismatic on screen presence. He reminds me of like a for any Wheel of Time fans, a happy land. That's pretty much yeah, what he is. Yeah, yeah. Even down to the freaking sword, like all of that's so awesome. So yeah, he's he's a beast, and Edge's a beast. Kaz got owned in this part, and that's fine because Kaz has been owning everybody he comes into contact with since episode one of season one. So I get it. Like he missed this one. The the thing you you would think that the person with the most demons would be affected the worst out of the hallucinations. That's why mm -hmm. I assumed it was it was all good that he got totally owned by it. Yeah, that's fine. I don't have anything against that. We needed to get that information organically rather than just them throwing it at us. So that that worked for us. Mm. Uh, but the the other thing that I wanted to just mention, um, besides Jesper and his mom's vision being like awesome, was uh, I'm really, really, really happy that Kaz and and Inej's first on screen kiss didn't come in her dream because that would have sucked and and probably oh, yeah. devalued it when it happens in real life. Even though it was a dream, so I'm happy they didn't actually kiss right there. Because that's going to be a season three thing for sure. Yeah, she's a beast. She was like, this is too good to be true. This isn't real. Um, mm -hmm. So two things. One, we did hear that the brother twin said there was a soft heartbeat in the back. They were assuming that was yep. a disciple. Uh, Kaz uses this information right after he gets out of the hallucinogenic state. He kind of sneaks away and goes to that weak heartbeat because that is, as we find out, um, the real disciple and uh, Oval's weakness. Um, the other thing, when Oval busts in and starts like fucking everybody up, d do we know that the t brother twin isn't that good of a heart render? Because like he pulls out his sword and I'm like, why don't you just and I know like <laughs> and Nina yeah, comes yeah. in, Nina comes in too and tries to like heart rend. But then like maybe because she's a saint, she knows some defense against well, it. This is what I'll say. They did Oval really, really cool because I guess she's basically a Saint Durast. And we have Alina, who's the Sun Summoner. We have the Darkling. We've seen some Saints before, and I don't know if we'll see them in the future. I'm sure there probably will be more that pop up. I like that they brought another one in, but she's basically Magneto, which, again, mm -hmm. you don't know which one you would rather be. I mean, Magneto is, is an OP. I mean, she's basically controlling Nina. Nina can't heart ran because she has rings on her fingers and she's holding her hands by the rings on her fingers and mm -hmm. her bracelets, like things like that. They're showing us that that's how it works. It's hard because I'm like, all right, you're a saint. You're OP. You're supposed to be OP. You know, I loved how she talks to Jesper later. And this just was totally like misborn for me where she's like your buttons and stuff. But when she talks to Jesper later and she's like, you're a shitty Durass, man, like you pulled your gun out against me. You had your buttons. Like I was so surprised, but 
it's just tough, man. It really is tough because there's certain Grisha that just seem way better than others. I mean, yeah. you, it would be cool to be like, hey, I can shoot fire, but to know you have your duress abilities or, or heart-rending abilities, I don't know. The limits that we don't know kind of confuses me. Like, she's a saint, so she's OP, so she's straight up Magneto. I don't know where Jesper is, but we see that he can misborn people and pull the, the freaking buttons out and just shoot them at people. I mean, eh, that means he could probably pull other people's buttons out and do almost exactly what she was doing by stopping people's hands by their rings on their fingers. And it's almost like, and I'm sorry to bring up Mistborn five times in the last two minutes, but for anyone who doesn't know Mistborn, it's Brandon Sanderson. I'm glad that you brought him up earlier, Paul, with his rule of magic, but it's a, a series by Brandon Sanderson. It's one of the best books I've ever read, book series I've ever read. And like in that world, they don't wear jewelry because, or when they wear jewelry, it's not metal because there's people in that world that can control metal. And that's the kind of thing where I just wish... Maybe it is in the books. Who freaking knows? But I wish those things were kind of answered because it's just I can't figure out. And that's why it's surface level. And that's all I'm going to say. I don't need to say any more about it. No, you're fine. You you summed everything up like this was one of the coolest scenes in a vacuum of the show. And I thought it oh, yeah. was incredible. And just the way she talks to Jesper and is kind of disappointed, but says, like, get better, like catch up like you're going to mimic what i do here and like you can become this good i don't know if she, he can become as good as a saint and stuff i don't like you're saying i don't know the limits but yet like the, the choreography and all that was amazing but then it, it asked the questions like what the hell was the point of zoya and nina showing up to save the day and get wrecked in two seconds all of mm -hmm. that's a little whatever but oval herself was an absolute legend and she was one of the coolest characters this show has introduced but i'm hoping that a lot of her abilities are attributed to the fact that she's like a saint it's basically like being amplified by the mystical beast, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. That, that was another thing. And I get exactly what we're saying. She's a saint, so she's supposed to be super strong. But like, what does she see when she is able to, you know, use her dear ass powers? Like she can literally see every molecule of iron and like manipulate every single like little Beat literally just pieces rip the in, iron out of all of your blood and kill every single person that's there i mean I, that's an the problem insane you know? area too and and that's why i'm like is she just a saint and she can focus on all of this or or how does her power work does she just sense that there's metal there and like i don't know i wish they i can attribute they it to it. like one of the cool scenes in i guess it's x2 when magneto mystique puts the metal injection into yeah. the to the prison guard and he's like walks in he's like oh, you, you're different today that was like extra there's something, there's something yeah that was extra but there's something different about you and it's just like a feeling where he's like i you can sense the metal i gotcha and but he's not as op as oval because he can't pull metal out of your blood normally you know that you know whatever okay beating yeah. a dead horse here <laughs> still cool and i wouldn't take it away for anything because if we're gonna no, it was amazing not, it's just like just so cool to see these this type of choreography and it's coincidence that while jesper wasn't the one doing the badass thing almost all of my favorite fight scene in the show have jesper in it this is the first mm -hmm. time where he's on the receiving end of it basically but just the duress ability just lends itself to be so cool on screen just like magneto fighting Mag like that's so cool in itself that yeah but Again, nothing really to add there. It was just like a cool isolated scene. I'm sure that was like a part of one of the books or something like that. So yeah, anything else you guys want to bring up for Shuhan? Because it ends just with Oval giving Jesper the, the 
sword who he gives it to Inej because obviously she's going to be the one to use it. But all that I remember besides that is Inej and Kaz almost have a moment and then it gets shut down again. Yeah, that was cool because yeah, everybody just... was making out, you know, Jesper and Wyland were making out <laughs> and Kaz walks by and is like, oh, people are losing their minds. And and yeah, they have their their. I mean, Inej is directly thinking about the hallucination that she just saw, you know, like you're never going to want me. I'm never going to stick around. I'm not going to stick around for this long if we can never do anything. This was kind of like the first sign of that, um, that we were getting more of this uh, towards the end of the season. I thought the idea of the sword is so cool that it, it, it can cut shadow for some reason. The fact that the only explanation is that it's so sharp that it cuts shadow <laughs> yeah, is so yeah. dumb to me. Just <laughs> like, what do you mean? I mean so that's... sharp it can cut shadow. Like it's a fucking. I don't know. It just made no sense. Listen, listen. I agree because you find out that a Saint Durast made what they call like the light sword, the fire sword, whatever they call it. I can't remember. Again, like you said, Paul. The only explanation is you are so strong as a Durast that you can manipulate some type of metal to be that sharp and that strong and it's going to be against the shadow which you would just yeah. assume that it should be elena that could i was i was looking yes. for almost like a lightsaber yeah I, it, I, I i was waiting for her to like say it was infused by and made by like a sun summoner with the light yeah. and that's why i was able to cut through it right yeah i agree i agree but the other thing before we leave shuhan that i want to talk about we already glossed over it but it was Really, really important. It's one of the most important things for Jesper's character for the rest of the season. Just just a, another quick conversation about the hallucination with his mom and how she basically, you get his backstory, why he doesn't want to show that he's a durast, and then just the oval conversation where she's like, stop hiding it. That's just important because it obviously mm -hmm. brings on the conversation with him and, and Wyland where he says, I'm sorry, man. Like they both kind of say they're sorry. And they, like you said, Paul, they just start making out. They, they make up in and Nez and Kaz are like these freaking guys, dude, sandbagging yes. us. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that opens up the rest of the season for Jesper to be totally the goat where he's just like, now he's like, I don't, and it's not, it's like the, the, the arrogant where it's the good arrogant. Like he's, I just love the guy. Like he's just like, dude, I'm just living the dream out here. He's not arrogant in a bad way. But now he, like when he walks in and we see him again when they save the day and he just like brings his guns out and he's ready to just start guns blazing. I was like, dude, this guy, man, I just, this, I just can't get enough. This is also the kind of the first time we see the twin brother have feelings for Annette. She's kind of like looking at her and like flirting with her slightly. At least that's, this is the first time I was picking it up. I don't like yeah. that though. I'm not yeah, that. <laughs> that's tough, dude. It's tough. Yeah, um, too many triangles so, going on. <laughs> let's uh, quickly cover one of the scenes that Zoya and Nina's conversation led to, because they were just my rationalization of why they put them together was to talk about Matthias and like their connection and all that love stuff. That kind of was gave them an excuse to really cover that. Uh, but the one thing that happens with them is that they flash over to. Basically, Pekka Rollins getting thrown into Hellgate. And this is exactly what Paul, yeah. I was, I think you were hoping for, because I was hoping for is he wasn't going to be done yet. And he instantly yeah. makes an impact over in Hellgate by being kind of a badass. So I'm happy that he didn't get like his ass beat by the first person in there. Sort of, yeah, just all that was pretty good. And it kind of just leads into 
more about Matthias seeing Pekka Rollins and it, and it leads him onto this path of like rage and shit. But like, we don't know. I thought this was building towards what you were going for, Paul, but I think the last scene takes that yeah. completely back. Yeah. Like you were there uh, right up to the last yeah. scene. I was like, whoa, dude, Paul nailed this. And then it's just like, they took it away because of the Nina getting taken in front of his face. Uh, Paul, I want to actually let you uh, take your bow first before I jump in. But what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say, one, I was excited that Pekka was still a thing. But at the same time, I'm like, whose idea was it to put him in here and not fucking kill him? Because, you know, he just ran mm-hmm. the barrel. So I if think... he can run the barrel, he's going to fucking run this Hellgate prison, too. He's, you know, the king of the scumbags. Um, I honestly think I'm glad that they kept Pekka in. But I think it's one of the biggest plot holes of the show. The fact that he can just beat up one dude and then everyone's like, yeah, Pekka, we're, we're, you know, and then <laughs> what's the point of jail then? I mean, he's there for murder and then all the guards are just like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah he has yeah. so much sway. I, I don't understand. Like the guards are in there, but the guards are fucking listening to Pekka. And I get that it's because like they're corrupted guards and shit. They're here for the fights and, and that. And but Kaz should have known they're corrupted and not put them there then. I, I just think that's yeah. a plot hole and I don't I, know if yeah. it's a big deal or not, but. It is what it is. But my my one thing I was going to jump in and say is it might be recency bias, and it probably is, and I'm sure I'll take it back at some point. But this this Matthias storyline might be one of the most pointless storylines that went nowhere so far that we've ever covered on a podcast. I mean, a full <laughs> season of nothing. This is exactly what they managed to do in season one with season Nina one. and him. It was yeah. the same thing. It, I mean... So At weird. least they like showed like they had a little bit of like, you know, love making and and I uh, and I love you and like this and then like the scene where he gets taken. Like this is straight up like he's in jail. He gets mad, beats some guys up. He's back, he's still in jail. Loses his friends. Be bad, but he's not. And he's just yeah. he's back yeah. where he was. She she freaking goes in there three times. Mm-hmm. Has yeah. tells her that he's gonna get her out, get him out. 15 times and then even in the finale at the last she's back with Kaz not even like saying anything yeah. like yo dude let's get this guy out like I, I mean I don't know what the point of Matthias is we said it in part one like what the hell is he doing for the story if 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 you would have just told me that you would have kept his whole storyline out of season two and just had her be like man I love Matthias I really do love him we'll get to him someday I would have been fine. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I Nothing wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have even need to see him. I yeah. like the storyline, but I totally agree. They're they're I think his total screen time was like 11, 12 minutes for this whole season. And it's like that's why I keep thinking that he's gonna be a bad guy or some influence later on. Because what are that what else are they building to other than like to give Nina some you know extra story and, and background? Like I get I like that it's you know giving Nina more personality and character traits but at the same time there's so much shit wrong with it and you just nailed a bunch of it like kaz owns that shit how can you not just pluck out a prisoner like i just i don't and get it's, it and it's obvious that he's going to be a big deal the next season is going to be hugely on fierda versus the crown the fact that they introduce him in season one and nothing happening nothing's happening nothing's happening and now they're going to bring him into season three I just they I think they dropped the ball with the writing on that and it was just not good. And and again, I'm sure I'll take it back as my hot take saying it's the worst plot line we've freaking covered. Where and I don't want to say worst plot line, but like the most nothing's happening plot line that we've covered on the pod for a, for a plot line that I feel like is supposed to be important. Yeah. 
I like it. It's just nothing's really happening. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna refute anything he just said. I feel the same exact way. Like he, I don't know. Like I love my girl Nina, but she just, as the season went on, it, she just felt more and more one note. So moving on, before we get to our final confrontation of everybody in the show, the last thing we need to do is a couple of one-off Kirigan scenes that happened throughout episodes five, six, and seven, I think. So what I want to bring up is when we have Kirigan doing one of the most badass scenes of the show again, when he decides to really start messing with Alina and like and and having this war proceed forward, he appears outside the the camp of the first army and does one of the coolest fucking things of the show. He does the biggest cut that just destroys a whole encampment off the face of the earth and this was the kind of shit i needed to see before his final fight we needed to see this level of power that he's been rocking it was fucking awesome and I, nothing really to add here this is already i think when he's fused with the bone with uh, he's, his he's, mom's bones so he's more amplified yeah. and he's got the badass new hands mm-hmm. yeah yeah his um his assistant i think it is of Ladum, i think his name is he is really key to Kirigan's success and able to just, you know, keep on going. He he was the he helped make the hand, right? And he he helped with all the amplifier testing and stuff like that. So he was a big piece to the puzzle. And yeah, that slash man that fucking swallowed up the whole town. I guess he cut through the earth and it just collapsed on itself. Absolutely mm-hmm. nuts. But yeah, it was great to see. And it also leads to uh, Kiergan having the rest of her bones broken down and giving to all of his top generals and powering them up to a level that we pretty much haven't seen yet either. And this is, gives us a bunch of cool scenes. That was my question was her body burned in the the, the hidden yeah. you know, hideaway, right? So was he in the hidden lab? But uh, yeah, no, he had, they had the finger. Can- they had the okay. well, how much so like, can you ground up a finger? I mean, I don't know. I mean, how much do they need? He did just like kind of like snort a little bit of that like, powder and you're good yeah. to go. Sprinkled it like salt on on his wrist before he did put yeah. it on. So, yeah, maybe it could do everybody. But we kind of mentioned a couple of his generals getting amplified. Like we have the ice bender essentially getting formed. We have this guy who can't talk. Sub-Zero. We see a bunch of these things. And so this cool. is this is pretty cool here. But then Kiergan makes his move because he just basically walks into the fold, does have the moment where he actually starts moving it and making things happen. He pushes the whole fold towards their encampment where everybody is, and that really kicks off the whole sprint towards the end of the finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we we kind of glossed over because we were jumping a little bit, but we know that Kiergan one-upped Nikolai, Alina, and all of the war councils on their side's plan and we did say that he he went up them, but we didn't actually fully say that, you know, the, the plan was that they were going to be an aerial attack. They thought was going to be a surprise attack on Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. But then while they're doing the aerial attack or while they're on their way, they see that there's Grisha on the ground and they realize it's a surprise attack on them. That ship gets sent down to the ground. Nikolai's hurt. A lot of them die. A lot of them are hurt. Now they're being chased by the warrior Grisha, the Darklings warriors, whatever his army's called. And they're going back to Alina. And like you said, Luke, while this is all going down, the Darkling is in the fold and he's pushing the fold now back towards the encampment. This gave me 
I guess a taste of what I wanted. If you remember from the part one of our podcast, I was saying I want more inside the fold. I want to learn about the heart of the fold. I want dark, the darkling in the fold. I want us in the fold and him moving the fold towards the encampment and it taking over was badass. Like that yeah. was cool as shit. I the mean, Volcra. now they're in a war with the Volcra, the darkling, the other Grisha all were part of the encampment. And, you know, whatever you want to say, the castle is in the fold and the outer skirts on one side or not. It's just so cool when you're going in and out and seeing the difference. And, you know, I, I couldn't if you're going to kill a darkling off and you're going to get rid of the fold. And. There's going to be no season three with no or there's going to be no fold in season three, then you gave me as much as you probably could have at this point, And it was badass. I, I enjoyed it. The Volker coming down to attack here again as he's pushing the fold and his Nichevoya just grabbing that shit and fucking breaking its neck was pretty badass too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is where we see a lot of those synergies we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, a lot of the synergies that we mentioned earlier that were sick, like mixing wind and fire. This is they're shooting yes. fireballs now straight up. Like this is badass. And then even having the cool brother sister squalor moment when they're both using one hand. To kind of just make the wind happen. That's all happening here. This is all before the crows and Inez show up. So this is a bunch of like high drama moments for to build up the the level of threat we're de- dealing with here. Volker killing people, everybody going back and forth. It, it just a bunch of really cool freaking moments here. And then um, I I really love the ice bending, but we we already talked about that. It was just so badass when she's shooting those spikes. Uh, led to some really good moments. Yeah, and we have Nikolai after he's hurt. He's heading back to Alina, and that's obviously where the warrior army of of Grisha are assuming he's going to go, and they're thinking they're going to be undercover, and then you see another badass overpowered OP amplified fire attack on the the forest and just freaking ripping the whole thing down, which was awesome. And then that's where, like you're saying, Luke, we have Nikolai and them running from those Grisha. We have the Volker coming in. We have Darkling doing his thing. We have Jenya and David trying to run away and save and save each other. And then we'll get to that in a second. And we have Mal and Alina trying to do something. I feel like it took Alina way too long to start sun summoning. I was mm-hmm. like, Jesus Christ, girl. But um, but otherwise, like I said, I mean, this is where shit's hitting the fan. And this is where the entertainment value and the battle scenes and everything just went like times 10. I thought everything they did with the powers of the Grisha, whether I had questions or not was awesome to see the fight scenes choreographed themselves were awesome to watch. Obviously once we get the crows and Inez jumps in and things, it gets even better. And Toya that, you know, that's even better. His fight scene for a second, when he jumps in with the sword before he starts heart rendering, my gosh, Everything was badass. So, I mean, we can keep talking about it, but for a while, it's just like not too much to to deep dive, except for the fact that we're watching some good shit. Definitely was one of my favorite scenes of the entire series so far. I already mentioned it earlier, but all the Grisha going against each other, using their powers uniquely for offense and defense. Really cool. Uh, Again, I just want more answers on the twin sister. She rendered one heart and then pulled out her axes. I have to bring that up again because it just made no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where it's tough again, because it's like you saw Nina 
as a heart render. And we don't know how strong everybody is. Maybe Nina's just a badass and she's super strong. But the scene where she saves Inez, she takes out like eight dudes. Mm-hmm. And then she's just like, she didn't even break a sweat. And then we have the other heart renders where some of them just like, like you said, Paul, twin sister takes one out and then pulls the axes out. And, you know, maybe she just assumed that she wasn't going to be able to use her hands fast enough to dodge and all the ice spikes and this and that. But again, we didn't, we don't know how many hand moves Nina did to take out eight guys. So it's just, you know, it is what I don't know. Don't know if there's like a cool down for certain people, you know, how hard (laughs) it is to actually do something. Your L1 R1 power bar, your power bar goes down and you need to. Yeah. Yeah. You need to fight to go back up or something. Yeah, exactly. Like just or, you know, if consecutive use drains you over time, unless you're really good at it, like we we know it. We don't know anything. So that's the only frustrating part. She is a badass, though. And this fight was fucking sick. And the introduction of the crows was really sick. You know, after Nikolai and his uh, bro, Dominic, you know, he takes a few icicles for him um, after everybody gets pushed back in the corner. Yeah, it's just really cool. Just the, even the way that the enemy Inferni sent that fireball to burn the locks just to trap him in there. I mean, so cool. Um, Dude, it totally did it for me when we have the Kaz as Kane as the conductor for a second to, to block the lightning oh into Wyland and chucking the dust and having he asked for air assistance or whatever he says into yeah. freaking Nikolai sitting there and just hardcore executing the girl. That's another yep. test he passed because I did not think he was going to have <laughs> that in him. And it was fucking awesome that he did. I'm really happy that we killed that bitch because she was like Zoyo on steroids. That was she was nuts. just randomly like the worst. Like they really yeah. didn't give her too much of a backstory. They were just like, yo, we need somebody to be awful. And here you go. We're going to give it to this girl. And she's going to be the dark, the darklings right hand girl who's just awful, but no backstory. Yeah, yeah. she was great, though. I mean, yes, she was. I mean, and we were definitely rooting for her to die. So, uh, we and and the other Inferni too. So when Wyland chucks that bomb in there, really fucks her up. That was hot. Um, and he was like my explosive experts, Kaz to Wyland, and Wyland's like expert. Oh yeah, I'm an expert. Though. Take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the the hallucination of just like a hummingbird coming right at him, ter- actually being you know an axe being chucked. That was cool too. Yeah, yep. I uh, didn't have a chance to say it at all this podcast, but <laughs> another nitpick is this show is pretty bad with plot armor. Um, and that gets oh, yeah. so put on display here where every single named character that matters that's good dodges the icicles or doesn't get heart rendered enough where they live. Like a bunch of that is going on, and that's always going to be something that bothered me. But it does get a nice balance by they actually kill David in this mm-hmm. scene or like around this time. Oh. I don't know. I I like that you know somebody named died, but what the fuck was the point of? Oh, first of all, we don't even know if he died, but you don't see the body, bro. Exactly, you only see blood. She can't feel the heart, but I don't know if you don't see it on on screen, that's fine. But my whole thing was what the what what the hell was the point of that sacrifice? Why didn't he just get in that dumb damn dumb waiter with her? Like, why did he have to seal it off and then it's not like it was gonna follow him down there? So I don't know. Yeah, that was my only sealed, thing. You could have sealed. Well, is the button you and your dumb waiters, dude? Jesus, uh, <laughs> is the button on the outside where you have to hit it from the outside? I don't. I don't remember how yeah, you hit it. I don't. Maybe. I mean, if, if that that's got to be the reason because obviously you get in, you close it off, and but there's if there's no button from the inside, then you you know 
Okay. Let right. David have his death, dude. Come on. I, I love him. That's why I was so upset. I was like, oh, man, was there really any urgency that you needed to like <laughs> stay behind and, and, and fight it off? But, hey, maybe this is setting up for something great. David, actually evil, when the Nishavoy came up, he looked at it and was like, no, I'm the captain. I rule you. And I'm the captain he, now. Yeah, and he, and he skirts out, and he's actually going to be the enemy for season three. Mm-hmm. He's uh, going to be a Nishavoy himself. So that was all of the non-Alina parts of this, because Alina has a bunch of dramatic scenes, too, that are just dodging shadow monsters and stuff. But it really comes into play when she's actually about to get killed by the shadow monster. And Inej makes her move and comes in with the light blade and slices it up. And she's just so good with knives. And it just made so much more sense that she used it than my guess that Mal was going to end up using it. And she uses Mm -hmm. it to perfection. She crushes with it. She's constantly murdering these shadows. But it really just kind of gets us to the point where we're all going to go into the fold and and take this thing down finally like that's her whole goal right uh and when they do get into the fold this is before the rest of the crows make their way there they're still trying to work their way to him this is when we have the showdown with kirigan for a second they talk about like he is family after all like another one of those cousin scenes which is pretty cool and then this is the badass cut versus cuss cut scene of course, Mal gets takes the the slash as well as Kiergan taking the death slash, and then Nina gets taken. That's how it closes out. So it was a pretty freaking epic, like, holy shit, I'm clicking play right away for episode eight. Yeah. And do you guys just want to go right into eight, or do you have any comments just for the buildup? So uh, I didn't see the name of episode seven up until the very end when we saw this. So we're watching. I'm watching with Emily, and uh, the name is uh, Meet You in the Meadow. And yeah. as soon as we saw that, we were like, oh, my God, Mal's 100 percent dead. Meet you in the meadow. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what meet you in the meadow means, right? So. Mm-hmm. So at this point, uh, we're like, oh, shit, he's he's a goner. So I'm hitting play immediately thinking that Mal is is dead. And um, it is a pretty, I don't know, it's a decent scene for how emotionally impactful it was. I thought they executed it pretty well. Yeah, and then they um, delete all that emotion two seconds yeah, later. <laughs> that's that's the problem. And we'll we'll let our listeners let us know. And Paul, you know me and Luke are on the side. We'll get your opinion in a second, but the listeners can let us know if this is a hot take. But first off, before we get to the double cut, I guess we have to assume, and this is where we're getting into the whole surface level stuff again, where they're outside the fold. Mal says we don't have the twin sister. She's not here to help us with our plan. And Elena's response is, bro, loves the answer. Come on, we're going to figure this <laughs> shit out. You know, so they go into the fold. Now they do have Nina. So maybe she's just assuming like we have another heart render and we could try it. But they're doing the whole like, no, let's just try this first. And they just like hug each other and start kissing. And like the power just starts going. And I'm assuming that we're supposed to assume that it would have worked that way if Kirigan didn't show up. Mm-hmm. So, bleh. So then Kirigan shows up. Then it starts to heat up. Then I'm like, okay, let's do it. We hear the cousin thing. He's like, it's, it sucks that you're 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 gonna have to deal with me doing this. The double cut. Let's go. Now Kirigan slashed. I honestly didn't think that was gonna be enough. And. Yeah. You know, and then Mal says, I'm hit. Like you said, Luke, Nina's gone. So that's enough time where I guess Nina being gone, Alina can't immediately say, Nina, get over here and help Mal. So, you know, that's good. Gives us no plot holes there. 
And then, you know, we have the scene. And this scene is where we could have been like, all right. When episode six happened and we end episode six with all these answers. This is where I wish we could have done a podcast right there, because I would have liked to known both of your answers. If you thought that they were going to be able to go through with killing Mal, because that's where you think this is leading. Are they going to pull a Harry Potter and somehow bring Mal back to life or Mal never dies and loves the answer and this and that. And my answer to that, and I remember texting Kathleen was going to be, they're going to be cowards. But I just think it would have been very, 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 very impactful if Mal would have died right here. And I remember what I was you, thinking. Because yeah, I do or you don't. I do because yeah. literally after episode seven, before I click play, I just titled my episode eight notes as the Mal is fine episode straight up. Like I was just so <laughs> arrogantly confident that he had zero percent chance of dying that when he did get the knife stabbed through him in this beginning of this, I was like holy shit, are they actually going to do it? And then, of course, they cowards. Like, that's all I... That's yeah. what I walked away from it thinking. And yeah. this is where you get into the difference between, like, Game of Thrones, where we always talk about the plot armor hit the maximum towards the end of Game of Thrones. But for the longest time, Thrones was so good because anybody could die. There's other shows that are like that. But, you know, I just really thought that this was the perfect opportunity to give us something where it was like, first of all, wow. But second of all, like, all right, this is like a meaningful death to a main character. And then you get that Game of Thrones feeling like anything can happen. It's not just like, a, oh, Mal got slashed and he's dead. It, it's totally works with the story. It's like exactly where it was leading to from episode six. But mm -hmm. they just need to give him plot armor and make it happily ever after. Now, I do remember hearing that these books are not necessarily adult novels. Plot armor existed in the books because it's not for like the adult yeah. crowd as, as, but still. There was a few things about this scene that, yeah, at the end when they, when they bring him back, it's kind of like, it makes you think, and was it all worth it? So two things going into it. One, I know they had to take Nina out of the equation, so they couldn't heal Mal when he gets stabbed. Why mm -hmm. is she alive, though? Right. She gets scooped up by that Nietzsche Voya. Mm -hmm. We see her going to the darkness. Why would yeah. that Nietzsche Voya just drop her? Like, I wish they just showed like a rock, like hitting her in the head and knocking her out. Cause that yeah. would have, that would have made more sense. She would have been there. Like, why would that Nietzsche Voya slash Volker just not do anything to her? So, one, how is she alive? Two, how did Alina use Mal as an amplifier? after she killed him because she didn't have a bone in her body yeah they didn't do the fuse and because we they were interrupted with the pre-fuse yes the plan was supposed to be would have made sense. chop the finger off fuse it and then when he dies it'll activate mm -hmm. but <clears throat> the nitravoya came in and the darkling and the army attacked before that could happen mm -hmm. so 
Paul, you think- I'm giving you one of these, dude. I'm oh, yeah. my shoulders for He's you. Kinda, Josh kind of agreeing with me. You know, were you saying that scene where David was supposed to chop the finger off? He, he does is he does hesitate because he does have that like skittish personality. You know, mm-hmm. maybe this is like a full Kaiser Soze situation, and he's actually he was stalling, waiting for the Nietzsche boy <laughs> to <laughs> so show you're up. You're you're leaning into he's the bad guy. David's <laughs> evil, man. David is fucking evil. Um, Why do you think he left Jenya? ravaged yeah, exactly he was he said yeah fuck you so oh it's all an act man the the only other thing is you know there was one of mal's bones inside of alina you know earlier in the episode <laughs> so <laughs> the only okay, possible explanation it. yeah baby i mean, could count i was maybe that's in her in her baby. luke yeah, you brought that viewers. up earlier you know she could be pregnant with little mal jr and and hey maybe that was little the little bone that she needed yeah so <laughs> So that was another thing. Um, just how she, was she able to even use that as an amplifier? And then um, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good, though. I thought her shoving the the knife in, you know, it was a good moment. Definitely thought he was done for. Um, it was good. It was. Yeah. Until the, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's> exactly. <laughs> it was I, great until it wasn't. Even Inez uh, yeah. using the sword, protecting her and fighting yeah. it off. Yeah. Zoya what, shines the- for a hot second. The fold going down and that whole, uh, yeah, Inej and Zoya fighting off the lash of the Nisha Voya were sick. The Alina confrontation with Kirigan was cool. The only thing mm-hmm. is I kind of wish Kirigan fought. He didn't really fight. He kind of had his Nisha Voya fight and just did that one thing. Not a big deal because he's still awesome and commanded everything. Crows are dealing with their own thing at this time, too. The rest of the Crows minus Inej, and they do have that cool moment where, well, funny moment, I'll say, when Wyland throws the bomb to temporarily fuck up the shadow monsters, and then, yeah. and then Jasper goes, yes, my man, and then she's, and he's like, I mean, we don't have a label on it yet, right? And then it's just like kind of goes away, but that was pretty yeah. cool. And then also the little moment with Kaz giving Nikolai the cane saying like, I have more experience with pain. And that answered a mm-hmm. question you asked last podcast, Jimmy, where the limp is like a hundred percent a thing. Anyway, like yeah. that's real. Right. But that, they kind of get outshined by all this other stuff that we're talking about. And, I guess Nikolai almost died too, which I was and freaking this is out the scene about. Where he shadow touched. So it's important. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I was worried. Yeah. I thought he was done. I thought he was a good yeah. candidate to die, but they can't even kill him. I agree. Yeah. And I thought the Kirigan Alina stuff was good on the Kirigan side of things. Um, Alina kind of was just like, I hate you die. But Kirigan's part, like I was saying earlier in the episode, the stuff with Mama Bagra and Alina, it get, it adds more dimensions and layers to Kirigan than just, hey, um, I'm a straight villain. I'm, I'm one dimensional. I do think that while they painted him in the straight up, I am the villain light in this light, quote unquote, in this season. Um, I do think that it's just the years taking the toll on him. And I do think that while he had did some really, really, really bad things, I liked that it showed that he did care for Alina. He was trying to save Alina in his own weird way. And when he was being or she was being attacked by the shadow monsters. He jumped in the way too. And like you said, Paul, he didn't really have much left to fight with. And he was basically dead from the cut, but he still tried to jump in to save Alina there. So, I mean, whether he was saying throughout the season, like I want to get rid of her or not, even when she's getting rid of the fold, he's like, this is astonishing. You know, I, I love the darkling character. I'm sad that he's gone. I really thought that the show would end or at least Alina's story would end when he ends. 
So him ending in season two and then us finding out that she has more time on the show definitely confuses me. But, you know, I'm sure they'll uh, I guess they'll figure out a way to entertain us for season three as long as there's a lot of crows. Heartbroken. Yeah, Yeah, definitely heartbroken that he's gone was for a hot second thought he was going to have a redemption arc when he was closing his eyes and saying Mm -hmm. for at once I was happy. And I thought, you know, maybe there was a possibility that she was going to, you know, let him live. But when she does get the realization, you can't even control them now. They're just, you know, beyond they're just this dark magic surrounding you. I think she was like, all right, that's it. I got to I got to nip this in the bud. Um, and I was, I was cool how he takes it. And he's like, you know, I understand why I did this. You know, they're going to come after you without me protect, quote unquote, protecting you. Right. She was like, mm-hmm. hey, bring it on. Burn my body. Yeah, you got it. That's my last wish. He was great. I thought his acting was yeah. phenomenal. All the way from his bagger dying in his his arms a few episodes ago yeah. to, to this final scene. I thought, you know, he, he carried pretty hard. He really did. And we and said, it, it, it's just not like, it's so sad that we're going to have next season without him. And maybe we'll get him in like flashes like of Alina or even Mal hearing him in their mind. But he was so he was so important for my like attention to this show, and I'm very worried yeah. going forward. Agreed. Um, I know we said the whole coward thing when it comes to bringing Mal back. I think it is a point that needs to be said that I'm glad Nina didn't bring him back, and it was Alina, and it was the Merzos or whatever the heck they're called, and it led to the finale end of this you know end of the season dark cut you know we know that when she cuts finally against the darkling it's her light cut versus his dark cut now that she brought mal back to life we have to assume that's the reason why she has the dark cut so it does give us something it's not just hey mal's brought back to life i still think Mm -hmm. and even even mal it's himself you know he's saying he's not the same he he doesn't i don't even know if he like feels the same love and attraction towards Alina as he did, or if he's just like, Hey, I need to go find out like who I am now, now that my one purpose in life is gone. Um, Emily was a little upset with it. She was saying that he was just being a little crybaby. She was not saying, Hey, like, why don't you just stay here with Alina? I kind of, I don't know if you died and came back to life and you lost part of who you were, it kind of makes sense that everything about you has changed a little bit. So I kind of like the twist that he's going off now by himself on what I was calling the bang bus because my <laughs> God, they got some crazy fucking duos over there. I mean, the the reveal that he's now going to be Stormhunt is fucking yeah. great. He's that the new cool. privateer. Alina kind of having that conversation, kind of like letting him go. I kind of like that she did that. She wasn't like crying and saying like stay because she did. You know, I, I think she realizes what she did. She fucking brought him back to life. And that's it's not something that you should really tread around. So, um, but yeah, the bang boss, man, we got a over there, too, because she has a conversation with Kaz saying, you know, how how are you going to have me right with with gloves on fully clothed like this? This isn't oh, going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Like proper British pawn. I, I mean, it makes sense, too, because how long is she going to wait around for him? Mm-hmm. So. She got Inej going on there with Mal. Inej and the twin brother banging eventually. <laughs> they were flirting. Uh, Nadia the squalor and twin sister. Twin sister. They're banging. Mal 
he's gonna bang somebody. You can't right? go back to Alina <laughs> without knowing what else is out there in the world. I mean, it just this is the party There's other bus. fish in the sea, man. Yeah, you know, in the party car, you know, you, you and your group of friends got to take two cars, and there's a party car. This is the fucking oh, yeah. party car. Nikolai, <laughs> as much as I love him, Nikolai and Mal, that's like you know going to be a cool story. But this is the you shit mean Nikolai that I and Alina? See. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, Nikolai and Alina, that's going to be a cool story. But you know, the the, the bang bus, that's what I want to see adventure wise. And that's what ends up like they find the ship that Inez is looking for. Is that did I get that right? The slave, which is her ship. brother. Yes. Well, that was that was great. It's too. gonna get her on the way. I, I we can't assume that the brother's there. I think it was more like the whole thing with Kaz's reveal was I've been looking, man, but I can't find it. But here's mm-hmm. a lead. Yeah. So that's, that's fine. Be that's like part that's a, of her story. That's totally fine. I don't know how it's gonna cue back up with like connecting everybody again, but like we said like the after the conclusion of mal's resurrection it kind of takes the form of like an epilogue for the rest of the last like 20 screen minutes so it's like jumping Mm -hmm. around hitting a lot of points paul you covered a bunch of them right there some other things i'll just say and then we could talk about whatever is uh like you said mal lost his ability when he got resurrected david confirmed dead and he was going to propose to jenya we saw all that so i guess he's still not technically confirmed dead but he's confirmed dead and that would be not even worth it to bring him back at this point. I, I, I genuinely feel like they planned and, and wrote him dead, but because maybe they're going into a third season of Uncharted Waters not being able to find source material, they were like, maybe let's just keep this open-ended slightly in case we need to bring him back. I mean, And then they're going to listen to a podcast and be like, oh my God, this guy had a great idea that David's evil. We should actually write that into season three and I should get paid money. <laughs> and they're going to give you credits, dude. I, I hope so, yeah. And then they're going to make uh, Maddie bad, too, and that's going to be on you as well. Oh, my God. Get me in the room. My honest thoughts with David is just that they didn't want to show someone ripped to pieces on screen and they're and he's dead. And they avoided, um, yo, they no, the they brother. avoided a lot of, yeah, sure, but they they put like zero blood in there. Like when Toya was using his sword to fuck up a bunch of people in the main part of the the combat, like he was stabbing people, cutting people in half. Didn't see yeah. a drop of blood. So I think they do like to avoid okay. that. I got. You. So they that was another thing about. Well, we see blood in the in the, the end scene where everyone's coughing up blood when we have the Fjordin attacking. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. to the defense of Toya. Right? Brother. So the brother, <laughs> when he was doing his attacking, his first attacks were while the sword was sword was still sheathed. He was actually attacking with it sheathed. You know, wasn't actually cutting anyone. But then, like you said, Luke, when he rip, whips it out, starts slashing, wasn't much blood. But I, I, I just think that they didn't want to show Jenya walking into David in a million pieces. So. Yeah, that's fine. Dude. That's honestly Th- fine. Why did he use his sword? Why didn't he just like render some hearts while he had the? Because it's a bad he tried, fight scene to show. I think he didn't was he... slowing his heartbeat. So he was he, slowing his heartbeat. He no, well, he found. was doing the thing to know his sister was alive. He opened up that necklace thing, which again, I don't know how that works, but yeah, remember because then her they show hers opening, and then she knows he's alive, and then they're like, oh yeah. So oh, I don't anyway. Know. Anyway, uh, he takes them all out, and that's kind of the last we see of him until like most of the shit's resolved. But I was cracking up because when everybody's all together at the end, um, he kind of like jumps over the fence and lands there, like with a sword out ready to go. But everything's all resolved, so they start like hugging and stuff. I was like, dude, that just reminds me of Family Guy, like George Bush coming in. Yeah, let's go. I'm ready to go, uh, uh, George. <laughs> the war's over. It, it, it's been over for a little bit. That's all I can think of. <laughs> 
So we got three groups here. We already talked about the Bang Bus. Then we got the Crows. They're back. They got the Crow Club going again. Um, their new mission is to take out this drug. And the drug kind of leads us into the Alina and Nikolai storyline. But just to stay back with the Crows, it's Jesper, Wylan, and Kaz. Am I Technically, uh, and Nina. Nina too. Oh, Nina, yeah, and yeah. Nina, because Jesper's doing the whole... Four rogues of Kettering. Oh, yeah. there's five of yeah. Five rogues of Kettering. <laughs> I was I thought they were gonna say six with Milo, but Milo did not make an appearance. No mm-hmm. Milo, man. But let's let's yeah, let's talk the other two scenes we get with Maddie and Nina at the end because it's just anticlimactic to end on that before the wedding or before the coronation scene. So yeah. I think we already pretty much talked about Matthias and kind of becoming evil, and then he seeks out Pekka and then it kind of reverses itself because Pekka throws wolves at him, which I don't even know what was. Remember, going he on said, with this "Well, he said wolves, wolves are, sacred. are sacred to Fjerdan." And he did. remember there's that scene earlier in the, in the season where he, where they're in the cages and he was like feeding them, and he right. was saying they're sacred to us. And you know, but what was he trying thing. to do? Was Pekka trying to actually have them kill I, him or I, test it? I, that's what I thought was going to happen because I think I don't know, but he says like the way of gel, like D J E L, and that's like what he follows. I don't know if that's necessarily what all Fjordans do, but he knew that he wouldn't be able to fight against wolves. So he put him in like a lose-lose scenario. Either you die to these wolves or like you kill them. Either way, you kind of, you know, hurting a bit of yourself. I don't think he was expecting the wolves to actually submit because then he sends in the the guards with the whips to like get them all riled up. Um, So I think Pekka was just being a pecker. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, Matthias is going to be a badass if, if they ever give him a story. I mean, we know he can kick the shit out of people, but again, just like I said, I just, I just couldn't care less about any of that storyline this season. And everything changed when he looked, makes eye contact with Nina, and you're like, okay, he's not going to be bad. He could have been, yeah. but that scene, I was like, okay, that's over. Yeah, it's almost like nothing happened, right? Like, well, that's yeah. what I was saying. He's still in jail, and we don't. He didn't really get persuaded either way like if you want to say the good way or the bad way like he still it seemed like he was going to go the bad way a little bit but now he's back in the middle it seems a smidge so i just i'm excited for it because i think it has a lot of potential but i understand like every time they're on the screen nothing's it doesn't seem like it's progressing anywhere yeah yeah we're we're, we beat that one to death there's literally we probably have talked more about it than it had screen time (laughs) which is crazy Uh Let's jump back to this final scene and we could take it home because, Paul, you already queued it up. Like the crows are it's Kaz narrating while we're jumping back and forth between scenes to really set it up about what's going on with this new drug that is basically amplifier amplified. I don't know. Steroids. Yeah, it's Grisha steroids yeah. that makes your it's, ability. It's freaking compound V, man. Exactly. That's a perfect way to say it from the boys, which we cover. Uh, there is just <laughs> this whole nothing scene that Nikolai Nikolai has with his advisor. You just kind of get the lay of the land of what his expectations are for Nikolai. And then he, we already talked about him seeing the shadow in him, which I hope it doesn't corrupt him, but gives him powers, but it's going to do something that's going to really like maybe hurt him in the same way. Kierigan was struggling. That's going to be all season three. And that's going to be fun to explore because it totally means our boy is back and he could be Mm -hmm. center stage, at least for a part of season three. Um, But then as he's going through the coronation process and being crowned, this crazy heart render takes this drug that Kaz is talking about in the background. And she just starts exploding people's hearts before Alina 
ends up shooting out the shadow cut and cutting her throat, which leads to her smile. Cutting her so in half, dude. Cutting her in half. in half. Yeah, yeah. And then she has that smile at the end. So that's like three main things we want to talk about. And I'll let you guys start. I just want to say this was a huge display of plot armor for not a single character we know got hurt, but everybody else was dead, basically. So I, I didn't like that. But out of Alina being a shadow bender, Alina smiling, and then the drug in general, what do you guys, anything that you guys want to bring up? I just think. when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, Lukey. <laughs> for Alina. Just for Alina. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that I'm going to try my hardest, my absolute hardest to defend the plot armor by saying that this amplified heart render may be, number one, she was walking from the back towards the front. The closer you get to people, the easier it is to hurt them. So she was killing people as they were as she was walking closer to them. That's fine. They were still being affected. Number two, maybe Grisha can fight against it more so. I mean, the regular people, whether they're regular or Grisha, I don't know, but they're spitting blood out, dying straight up. Then you could see kind of Zoya and Jenya were like, ow, and they were like falling over, but there wasn't any blood coming out or anything like that. You saw saw Nikolai collapse, and he's not Grisha, so... Hopefully that leads to that reasoning. And then Alina was starting to collapse and then she does the cut. So I don't know, maybe Grisha are a little bit stronger when it comes to defending against the heart renders. That solves a lot of issues too, because if you go back to Nina taking out the eight people around an edge, I don't think they were, they were just Pekka's normal non Grisha. Oh guys. yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. So like that could that. be All something. Right. There could be something there. Yeah. Cool. All I could think about is this is the worst royal guard ever like this is yeah right an this insane... girl's obviously tweaking and they didn't even dude. notice her dude oh yeah <laughs> uh, yeah we're in the middle of a ceremony where we're crowning a new king and everybody importance here security through the roof they see this one woman walk slowly through the aisle and they're <laughs> like she's fine there can't be anything i mean she's everybody's supposed to be in their seats but she's fine and like as soon as she started moving out there, of course, somebody would be like, yo, fucking somebody grab her. Where's the Secret Service at, man? Jeez, yeah. tackle that. So that's all I could think about is like, what the fuck? Because they had to make it go like slow motion. And then they showed like her making eye contact with Nikolai and then speaking Fjordan. And then she started. And it's like, bro, where's the where's the urgency of, of a threat? Um, <laughs> that being said, the only other thing I could think about is. The director is like, all right, everybody, we got one fucking take of this because I'm not cleaning up all this blood and going again. <laughs> we're, we're going one take um, because that was a lot of damage. And I don't know if there's going to be repercussions because it seemed like they were smart political people that were, you know, potentially rulers or, or what. So how big of an impact that's going to be? I don't know. I don't know if everybody's going to be like, oh, we're out of leaders. Like, let's just follow Alina and Nikolai. And they're just going to have like a crazy kingdom all of a sudden. No, I think they were all they were all um, part of like they were all underlings of the king. Yeah, of I just assumed okay. it was like the royal the royalty of the kingdom. Like it was just like you know, like yeah. dukes. Okay. And I thought the, rulers from right. other places would be there, but maybe it's not. No, maybe, yeah, I mean, yeah. could be, but I, I would just assume it was just like the aristocrat aristocrats of the I gotcha. area. You know, and um, the it was obvious that the, the, the girl was Fjordan, right? Like that's going to be the face of our new bad guy, which we don't have a face of, I think yet. Cause we even see like 
I think it was the Fjordans that were looking at the result of the fold being gone and like talking about like, okay, here's some opportunity. And this could lend itself to Matthias being important in, in some way because that's his home country. But this is going to be the next big bad is going to be this country because it seems like Ravka is going to be all united behind Alina. I am wondering and really hoping that that smile that Alina gives means that she could potentially be dark for a little bit because that seems Mm -hmm. like the most fun way to use her. If she's actually someone that's bad for a little bit before inevitably Mal mixed with the crows pull her back to the good side. That's just where I'm thinking right now. So we did skip over the little speech that Nikolai gives after mm-hmm. the Darkling is dead and he's being lit up at, at the funeral pyre. And that's basically what you said, Luke, where he's just like, all right, the fold's down. Now it's time to repair. There are enemies to all sides that are going to try. Now that they see that we're trying to unite, they're going to, this is their time to attack us. And then it did show the Fieridans, like you said, Luke's looking over and seeing that the fold is now gone. So, yeah, I assume that's the thing. And, um, you know, while this girl, this this Fieridan is heartrending and killing everybody, like you said, Kaz is giving his little speech, his little monologue, says that it's super, 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 super addictive and has consequences, but it's ridiculously strong and amplifies you. Sounds just like Compound V, but... We have to assume that whoever takes it, you know, hopefully they like take it and then like immediately die or like something mm-hmm. like that. Because, again, we're dealing with another like overpowered OP thing that we're going to be like questioning left and right about how strong yep. it can be. And I don't feel like dealing with that. But <laughs> um, the only thing that I think I'm not like super thrilled about of like this new crow mission is like it's kind of like Dragon Ball where. It's like, all right, how do we get them stronger? Super Saiyan 1. Uh, how do we get them stronger after that? Uh, Super Saiyan 2. And it's like, all right, how do we get Grisha stronger? Use amplifiers. All right, how do we get them stronger after that? Oh, even more amplifiers. We're going to amplify the amplifiers. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing. I get that it's a drug and it's, there's there's downsides and I don't know what it was, but it's like, uh, I don't know, kind of kind of want a new way to to cause a threat, you know, besides just... The same that's, power is just multiplied. So I prefer the, Dark Alina. Yes, that's the downside to having no more Darkling. Because it almost seems like once the Darkling is gone, then that story is done. Because what else do you need Alina for besides just political things? I mean, what else can she fight unless another like saint who's bad appears? You know, another yeah. Darkling appears and now you have to fight him and it's the next bad guy of the week. You know, there's not much you can do now that the Darkling in the fold is gone when it comes to Alina's side of things. And that's why I'm surprised that they're continuing with Alina's story. And hey, if they go Dark Darkling, Darklina is the two of them together. But a Darkling Alina, then I'm in. Like, I'm fine yeah. with that. Give me some of that. Give me some Nikolai having some issues with his shadow monster let that be mainly the storyline and then they'll be dealing with the the drugs and stuff. I just don't know where there's any kind of end to, I guess the end is for Alina is finally getting back to Mal and you know, they can go do whatever the hell they want, but happily ever after. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, take this home by everybody saying, I guess just, uh, you probably haven't thought about it much, but maybe a one to 10 ranking of season one versus season two and which one you prefer. And we could probably call it right. I guess it kind of got solidified as we were going through this podcast, but I think I prefer season one 
only because when you're going through a fantasy show like this, you're kind of standing on the shoulders of your previous season. So like they had to do more work to come for me to be satisfied in this at the same level that season one did. So if I were to give season one a seven and a half, I'll give season two like a seven. That's kind mm-hmm. of where I'm at. Still above average, still worth watching. Something that I'm really hoping gets greenlit to keep going because this is fun to talk about, but nothing that's going to be like a top 10 show of all time for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd probably go s- slightly opposite. Like I, I would say season one was a little bit worse for me just because season two, I had a little bit more information. I knew how the powers worked, got introduced to some other, you know, another saint, you know, Saint Dress. That was, that was cool. Um, so uh with that being said i probably would give you know season two maybe a seven and a half and you know season one a seven just the the opposite pretty much of what you had okay yeah i think that they were both very entertaining watches i like to compare it since i've done it five thousand times already to harry potter when it's the way of like harry potter is very surface level magic there's a lot of plot holes there's a lot of things now that Luke, me, Paul, Kyle, everybody on Bingetown pretty much has gotten further into the fantasy reading the the worlds that exist, the magic systems that exist that actually, quote unquote, make sense. You get into things like Harry Potter where, listen, I freaking loved Harry Potter and I still love Harry Potter. I enjoy it. But there's just a lot of plot holes. There's a lot of things you can't mm-hmm. figure out how it works. And we don't need to get into any of that. But Shadow and Bone to me is very similar. It's not going to be a 10 out of 10, a 9 out of 10. It's not going to be an HBO level show that, you know, and I use HBO as an example just because we just covered House of the Dragon, The Last of Us. But Shadow and Bone, both seasons, those binges were really, really fun. If you want me to nitpick, I can definitely nitpick, but that doesn't mean I wasn't really entertained the entire time. I think the problem with having the podcast is that maybe when you guys are listening, meaning the listeners here, on you know on the other side of the of the of the speakers they hear us kind of nitpicking stuff and you think we don't like it it's just because we have to because we're podcasters and we're getting into it we're getting into the trenches with these characters and with these storylines and there's just stuff that needs to be said but i loved it um i'm going to go i think i'm i'm more on luke's side here i think i do agree that i like season 1 a little bit better i think season 2 had nikolai that really pushed season two really well, but I think that the darkling and Alina's season one storyline was more compelling than a lot of the stuff that we had for season two. I think season two packed a lot into one season where a lot of the times we were jumping around so many characters at times it was causing really high highs, but then there was also times where it was like, all right, this is really, really going quick. And Mm -hmm. you already nailed that in the beginning, Luke, but not to say that there's too much of a difference. I would do probably the seven and a half and seven to finish up. I just, I just think that this show is definitely good, definitely entertaining, but not top tier. Good way to end it. Excited for season three. We'll definitely be back. And if they, if the crows get their own spinoff, we'll a hundred percent be all over that. Oh, by the way, we need to talk about this. Our boy Kaz got a new cane. You see that cane? Yeah, mm-hmm. with a nice that beak. That thing was badass, beak. dude. That thing, yeah. He's going to be stabbing people in the neck with that cane coming <laughs> season three. I can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait to see Alina and Nikolai be dark and rule together and become a dark kingdom. Um, yeah, who knows? We'll, we'll have they to wait. Create, they recreate the fold themselves. Oh, that's great. We just, oh, my God. 
shoots out. That would be crazy. That would be almost like saying, like, Jesus Christ, we just did a circle here. But I would like that circle. (laughs) Nah, it it shoots out of both their backs. So it makes a cross instead of just, you know, one line. Let's go. Um, Plenty, plenty to theorize. We'll be excited, you know, if a season three gets announced. But for now, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you so much for sticking around covering season two of Shadow and Bone with us. If you like what you heard, follow us on BingetownTV.com. Uh, you can, that'll lead you to all of our socials, uh, everywhere you can get your podcast. Follow us there. We cover plenty of great TV shows. Uh, lately, we're covering the new season of Yellow Jackets. Like Jimmy said, we did House of the Dragon. I think Succession. There's going to be a lot of great TV that uh, is going to be covered by us in the in the near future. What else does B-Tom say? Once again, we are Binge Town TV, and thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 